Welcome to the Fearless Fostering Podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Burst, LCSW, a foster and adoptive and bio mama and a therapist in private practice. I'm here to help foster mamas feel seen, heard, and supported on their journey. From quick, actionable steps to make your foster care journey easier to interviews with foster and adoptive mamas, the Fearless Fostering Podcast delivers education and encouragement weekly. So let's get started. Welcome back to the Fearless Fostering Podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Burst, LCSW, and I am joined today by my friend, Mara Shore. She is a foster mama extraordinaire, former CASA, and she has taken quite a journey to become a foster mama. So thank you so much, Mara, for being here. Absolutely. Thank you for having me back. It is quite the uh, quite the difference from last I time know. you and I did a podcast episode together. <laughs> so exciting, the difference that a little bit of time can make. So let me ask you this, what, just fill everybody in kind of on the backstory of how you got started into the foster care world. Yes. So Back in, um, I think we're looking at 2021 now. So back in 2021, one of my very best friends um, and favorite humans on the planet, she has been on the board for the Legal Aid Society, um, the Orange County, it's the Orange County Legal Aid Society uh, board for the Orange County Bar Association here in here in Orange County, Florida, right? So I'm, I'm in Orlando. And she had said to me, Mara, I think, you know, you are more equipped than you think to volunteer with the GAL, the guardian ad litem program. And I said, but I'm not a lawyer here in Orange County. You actually do need to be a lawyer to be a guardian ad litem. And we're one of the only, not only, but one of the few places that we are that that's necessary. I am not a lawyer. So I felt very ill-equipped. And she said, I think, you know, more than you think you do. I've advocated for other family members in their healthcare journeys. And so with that, I looked into, they have a program called Volunteer Advocate for Children, basically for the non-lawyers. Um, so the equivalent to, like you said, the equivalent to a CASA. And that's just what we have here in our county. So I became a, uh, we call them VAX, but I became an advocate through the GAL program. And the first case I was assigned was, she was then eight. She is now 10 and a half my amazing, amazing kiddo. And so that was the very first case I was ever assigned. And we say it was truly meant to be. She was unfortunately being pulled um, back into care the day actually, as I was getting my fingerprints done or my background check, we just, it was always meant to be in one way or another. And we found out at the end of that year that, so she was with a, and still is with a relative placement, you know, so she, I was their, their advocate, but there were more family members and cousins that are in foster care. And so one had, had already aged out and another was still in the system. Once I found out what was going on and they originally said, oh no, she doesn't need an advocate. Once I met her, it became abundantly clear that she she did need an advocate. Um, she was, she had just turned 17 and she really did need an advocate. And I said, you know, there's some things that are going on here that are a little funky. Um, she was living in a group home at the time. I said, this doesn't sound quite right. And they said, look, you are not assigned to her case. So all you can do is just tell us and we'll go, mm-hmm. okay, we're listening for, for a lot of reasons. And so my husband said, you're already involved? Because they said, well, unless you want to be your advocate. And I said, well, I already have two other cases. I'm not looking for another case right now. And my husband said, you know, you're already involved in your heart. So just go ahead and take on this case. So 
I became her advocate and she then went to go live with another placement and that placement did not work out. So last summer when that placement did not work out, it just was not going to, we, we were hoping it would, but it did not. And it was a really hard summer for all of us. Um, really hard summer, many, many late nights, many nights trying to figure out what was going to happen. And so at that point, my husband and I looked at each other and said, this, we're it, we're, we're it for her. So she uh, came to live with us the end of last summer. And so I'm no longer her advocate. I, you know, I'm her foster mom. And I always say it's the most heart breaking, heartwarming thing you're ever going to do. We are her eighth placement in four years. And, you know, we honestly, Hershey and I talk about it. It's like she was always kind of meant to be ours in one way or another. She's, I adore her to a thousand pieces and watching her continue to grow into her own human is one of the very best things that I could ever have asked for. Um, It's not easy. (laughs) It's not easy, but it is worth it daily. Mm-hmm. That is so amazing to me because I vividly remember our prior podcast chat and you were just like, I'm so, you you had such a heart and just for, you know, communicating to other people that like there's other ways to get involved besides just because, you know, just being a foster parent, there's so many other things you can do. And you had been doing so many in addition to being like the advocate you were doing, like, you know, pickups for furniture and things like that for replacements that needed it. And and I just remember you're like doing all these things. And it's, so it's, it's awesome to me and kind of wild that you're like, now, you know what, here we go. This took us right into being foster parents ourselves. And the crazy thing is my husband and I for a split second had talked about, and I'm not well-versed in the the technical speak in other, you know, in other counties and other states. So here in Orange County, you know, we go by uh, different levels, so to speak, right? So we are what's considered level one, which is a non-relative slash consent placement. So we um, were certified, but we're only certified for her, for our teenager. Just that, that's, you know, we're certified for her. So we at one point had thought about doing what's what's called level two, meaning we could take in, you know, someone we did not know, um, mm-hmm. I, you know, which is when you get calls from the state, you get calls from whether it's DCF or the local foster care agency, whoever makes those calls, we don't get those calls because we're not at that level. So we had done one or two classes and at the time said, we're not quite sure that this is the route we want to go. We're going to put our getting licensed on pause. And I'm so grateful we did because if we'd had somebody else in our home, we wouldn't have been able to to have her come live with us. We live in a 1260 square foot home. <laughs> so, um, you know, we just, yeah, we, and the funny thing is that she has the biggest heart. Our teenager just has the biggest heart. And so we've, you know, when she found out about some of the things we, I had been doing prior to even knowing her, i.e. toiletry collections or suitcase donations, metal bag donations, you know, she said, well, did you, you know, I used to live in this group home. So she lived in many group homes. And one of them was the only county run group home in our, in our county here in Orange County. And she said, you know, I, I used to live there. So I know firsthand what it is some of these needs are. I know why the needs are what they are. And it started with her clearing some things out, you know, some body lotions. She's like, people are given this because they feel like they should give teenagers body lotion. She goes, I can't stand the smell. I don't know why I've been toting it around, but I don't feel like I need to now that I'm here and I'm safe and all of that. She said, so let's give it to the welcome center. And what started as 
that I think she and I just took over like our second or third collection of suitcases because when kids age out, it's, it comes back to this whole conversation we always have about no more, no more trash bags. And they take their belongings from the group home. They get shuffled off with, you know, a a black trash bag. Mm -hmm. And so she and I have been doing some of these collections together and she likes to go and she knows the admin staff over there now, you know, because, and they know her and she's, she'll explain to me, this is why kids need this and not this. This is why it's important to donate this or that. And watching her be able to advocate is a really beautiful thing too. That is so amazing. And tell me about like how it was, I mean, what was the conversation like between the two of you when you were like, Hey, maybe you could come live with us because obviously she already knew you, but like, was that something that you guys had thought about long or or how did that come, come to pass? My husband and I didn't really have a lot of time to consider it. You know, we knew that the placement she was in last summer was really not working out. And we had tried to do a little bit of respite here and there um, in hopes that it could work until she turned 18. She turns 18 in, in one month. And we have said, you know, with her, the only thing that changes when she turns 18 is we will do a birthday party. My husband's going to take the day off work and take her to go get her driver's license. And, you know, so that's really, but then I say, just like if you were, we, it, she's, she's also a baker. She's become a big baker now. She loves baking dog cupcakes. She calls cupcakes. She loves baking for me. And so we use baking terms. So I said, you know, just as if we had raised you from scratch. So whether that was biological or not, if we had raised you from scratch, then you wouldn't be expected to move out the day you turn 18. That's just mm-hmm. not how it should work. So I say, you know, now I'm like, well, you need to be out by the time you're 30. She said, well, I thought you said 35. I'm like, I'm sorry, it's 32 <laughs> too <laughs> early for you to consider getting your own apartment. Um, That's amazing. So we were really hoping she would be able to stay where she was um, last summer. It just was not, was not working out. And pretty much when the time came for her to leave, it was like effective immediately, basically Mm -hmm. without giving way too much of of her story or the others involved. And so with that, you know, she had a sleepover that weekend and, you know, I had said to my husband on a Friday morning, um, you know, after she had been asked to leave the day before. And I said, you know, we are, we're it. And he's like, I know, you know, so he said, let's, let's, you know, he was like literally on his way out to work at six 30 in the morning when I'm like wide eyed and, you know, so he's like, let's talk when I get home. So we, you know, you and I can really think things through. We went out to dinner and really the two of us talked over a drink, <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, over ma'am. a martini as all, as all good decisions are made. But, yes, but, ma'am. And you know, when the conversation came up on, it was either that, you know, the next day or that Monday morning, you know, and he said to me, okay. So he came into my, my home office. I work from home and he came into my home office and said, okay, so where's your desk going to go? I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, you can't have your desk in here if she's sleeping in here because she had been off and on kind of sleeping in our guest room, but obviously needed her own room because his desk was in the guest room. So mm-hmm. I said, oh, do you really, he's like, yeah. He goes, we're, we're, we're it. Um, I love her to a thousand pieces. And we, you know, we knew that we knew that. And so with that, we, you know, once she, once she woke up and again, teenager hours, right? So (laughs) once she woke up, we talked and said to her, what are your thoughts on this? And she just looked at, she's like, wait, really? Like, seriously, you guys would, well, you guys would do that. And we said, yeah. And she's like, are you sure? And we said, if, as, if that's what you want, you know, yeah. we said, we, this is your choice. 
This mm-hmm. isn't just, we're, t- we're not telling you where to go. And so she said, yeah, absolutely. You know, we knew that she really didn't have other options at that mm-hmm. point. There is an incredible shortage. Not that we did it because there were no other options, but we could not imagine her in any of those other options. It just, I am not a fan of, of group homes. They're not homes. They're not, it's not a home. And some of them are really, really bad. And if you ask our teenager, she's been in some really horrible ones. And that's just, it's not a home, you know, and that just wasn't a place for our, for our girls. So she came to, came to stay with us in our county, as I'm sure is the case in most places in the country, there's an incredible shortage of foster homes. There's an incredible shortage of foster homes for teenagers because Mm -hmm. Teenagers get a really crummy rap. And so here in, you know, in in our county, there's a lot of kids that are sleeping in offices. They're sleeping on floors. They're sleeping on cots. They're, you know, maybe in an overnight placement and then back to an office they go. Um, A lot of time that results in them getting incredibly behind in their education. And those are just things that one after another, after another, it's, it sets kids up for failure. And couldn't imagine that world. And you're talking about, I'm just a big proponent too, of knowing that what we see on paper about teenagers, not always the case, not Mm -hmm. always super accurate. I've done some deep digging into her files, her, whether it's her medical charts, of course I have full authority to have all of that, right? It's not no illegal deep deep digging here. (laughs) As, as a foster parent, you have every right to medical records, even if they were before your kiddo came to you or before your kiddo came into care. And so I wanted to see, she's, I mean, our teenager is an incredible advocate for herself. So we're very lucky. She was able to say, you know, this is where you need to go for this set of medical records, go to this Mm -hmm. hospital system, go to this, you know, pediatrician, go to this dentist. So she was able to give us a lot of that information. And so the records were not, uh, not only were they not always accurate, they didn't portray the story behind what happens. You know, if you see an arrest record, ask why, because that's oftentimes it's not what it seems. You know, when you hear of kids that are so angry and they're so horrible and then people think, oh no, I can't possibly have them in my home. When I tell you that all three of our, well, two permanent dogs plus a foster dog, um, we all sleep in her bedroom. She bakes for the dogs. She teaches them, you know, tricks. She Mm -hmm. loves them to a thousand pieces. And this is just, you know, a human that loves her people deeply. She shows Mm -hmm. respect for the people that show her respect mm-hmm. and it, those are things that don't, don't show up on, on paper. So That's we like, are just, I, I can forever gush about her. And, and she reminds me, she goes, Mara, not all teenagers are like me. She goes, you know, <laughs> other teenagers, you might need to like put away your wallet or I'm like, I know, but I say to her, you're not other teenagers. You're our teenager. And yeah. this, you know, we don't have to worry about, a breaking of curfew. She's, you know, she says, okay, I'll be home by this time. And she is, you know, so I think that there's these incredible concerns of, of safety and rule breaking. And well, I'm sure I I certainly can't speak for every teenager, but I think teenagers as a whole get a really bad rap. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. They do. Hey guys, I just wanted to let you know really quickly about some amazing free resources for foster mamas on my website, fearlessfostering.com. I have a self-care quiz that will help you decide exactly what type of self-care you need at this point on your foster care journey, as well as a virtual retreat for foster mamas and an anxiety reducing email course, all for free. Check it out right now on fearlessfostering.com. 
And I was going to ask you about that in particular, and you answered it already, but just like, if you see a teenager has lived in eight places before you got, they come to you immediately. I think for a lot of people, the sirens and red flags are going off of like, okay, well, I think this is going to be too much for me to handle. And like you said, like if people are just willing to step into that a little bit more to do a little bit of research and ask some questions, because as we know, it's all about, you know, what this child has been through. It's not necessarily Mm -hmm. like they're a bad kid and they're, they're out to do bad things. Like it's just not the case. And she and I talk a lot about how valuable her voice is when she speaks up and when she explains, you know, why a no is a no for her. Right. Mm -hmm. So when, instead of just saying, and we, we talk a lot about this, she's incredibly, incredibly smart and she was able to get, so she got her GED last fall and here in the state of Florida, um, I believe it's the case in most places, but I, I can't speak to that. Here in the state of Florida, if you have been in foster care for more than six months, your tuition is paid for until you are either 26 or 28 years old. And that could be for a trade school. That could be your undergrad. It's for a, a public you know, state schools, you can't go to like a private school. Um, And it does have to be for in state. But that is, I mean, she could go on and get three degrees if she wanted to, right? Because Mm -hmm. I mean, she wanted to go. So she she still hasn't turned uh, 18 yet. So her plan is to start at, you know, community college this summer. So she'll that's that's her plan. And we always say your plans allowed to change, right? Mm -hmm. That's part of being a human. And that's okay then we work on what's the next version of the plan. But what I've always told her is that instead of just telling me no on something, um, which she was so used to nobody wanting to hear her reasoning or nobody believing her reasoning, if you say no, but explain why, right? Mm -hmm. So if something to you is a hard no, explain to me why that is. Because I hear so often, you know, in in the beginning, it was, well, you need to do this, or we can't do this, or I must have this. And it sounds sometimes a bit much where, you know, oh, is this teenager being demanding or is this teenager being, um, are they trying to set the rules for the house? And so I'm going to then, you know, what you can't do is be inflexible because when you find out the reasoning, so if you have somebody that says, I need blackout curtains in my room, I need you to shut the blinds to the sill um, of every window. Once it gets dark, it may not be because they're trying to just control for something that you and I may go, who cares, right? Mm-hmm. I know I live in a, in a suburban neighborhood. They might've come from a place of trauma where there were peeping towns in previous homes, even before they came into care. And so for them, a blind all the way to the windowsill is safety. Um, and you and I, have, I think have talked about even too, with Maslow's hierarchy of needs, if you don't feel safe, nothing else matters. Mm-hmm. So, so all my cute little decorative plants, may have come off a windowsill. <laughs> you know what? Move, let's move the succulents. Yeah. Uh, not worth it. And it's not worth saying, you know, if, if you need, if you need to feel safe, that's yeah. all that matters. And so there's all sorts of things that work in our home that maybe would not work for other people in our home. Locking a bedroom door is not a big deal because she also doesn't care if I take a penny, twist the lock, and say, Hey, can I come in? She says, yes. And I come in, right. Yeah. It's, it's a lot, a locking door has nothing to do with keeping us out and mm-hmm. has everything to do with previous traumas and intruders yes. and things like that. And it's like, if you start putting these rules into play yeah, and saying, you know, as a foster parent, and you don't take into account or think about why these, you know, certain kids need what, what they need. 
mm-hmm. then you're never going to get to the bottom. And it's just, for us, it's not worth being difficult just to be difficult. Like, yeah. let's hear, let's hear your reasoning. Cause it, it always makes sense when she gives us her reason. And honestly, yeah. I'm like, Oh, absolutely. So <laughs> it encourages her to advocate for herself. So oh, I love that. Those are all such good reminders. And I'm just so thankful that it worked out for you and for her um, and your husband, the way that it did. It's just been really fun to be a part of your journey on just like the Instagram side of things, at least messaging back and forth. Let me just ask you this. Where can people follow along with you? Where can people learn more about what you guys are doing in your house? Sure. So you can follow me at Mara Shore at M-A-R-A-S-H-O-R-R. You won't ever see her photo posted. Um, You'll see photos of a lot of rescue dogs um, that we have coming through. Um, We, you know, we always crop her out. Part of that is just her preference. Part of that is she is not yet 18. So I would say too, in my stories is always a better place to, to find some more updates there. And I also say too, never, never force your kiddos to be part of family photos if they don't want to be. I think that probably I, we don't personally, we don't have um, biological children and she's our only kiddo in our house. And um, she takes great pride in that. <laughs> she's she's, she's let you. us know this. But I also say I'm always, always happy to offer, I wouldn't even say advice, but like lend an ear to other foster mamas, other gosh, other foster mamas of teenagers, because there aren't a ton of us out there. There are a couple, but there aren't a ton of us out there. So we are a very unique breed. Um, So please send along, send along a DM, send along that, you know, a message. And I'm always happy to connect people because I think having our support and I think following you on Instagram is huge too, because it kind of helps. And you've always said, you're like, if you're not ready to be a foster parent right now, that's okay. It's kind of like, you, you know, when you know, and you don't really know until you know, and until then all of a sudden you know. you're, you're there. Yeah. And you're all of a sudden it. you're there. So <laughs> exactly. yeah. And all of a sudden you go from zero to, to almost 18. Oh, you know, yes. there oh we yes, go. you do. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh, well, thank you so much for having this conversation with me. I appreciate it. I know everyone listening is going to be appreciating it too. And I wish you and your cute little fam all the best. Thank you. Thank you guys for Thank you, Kathleen, for everything you do. You've been a huge source of inspiration on this huge journey. And just thank you so much. 